This is the Bible in one year, day 293. Hard times. Smith Wigglesworth was born on the 8th of June, 1859, to an impoverished family in Yorkshire. As a small child, he worked in the fields, pulling turnips alongside his mother. He was illiterate until, at the age of 23, he married Polly, who taught him to read. He often said that the Bible was the only book he ever read. He was a plumber by trade, and had to abandon it after becoming too busy with an amazing ministry of preaching and healing. There are even accounts of people being raised from the dead through his ministry. Yet, he said on one occasion he would rather see one person saved through his preaching than ten thousand healed. Life was not always easy for Smith Wigglesworth. He went through some very hard times. He wrote, Great faith is a product of great fights. Great testimonies are the outcome of great tests. Great triumphs can only come out of great trials. The Bible is very realistic. We live in a fallen world. Everyone goes through hard times, and some people find themselves in circumstances that make life hard all of the time. Psalm 119 Do good to your servant according to your word, Lord. Teach me knowledge and good judgment, for I trust your commands. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. You are good, and what you do is good. Teach me your decrees. Though the arrogant have smeared me with lies, I keep your precepts with all my heart. Their hearts are callous and unfeeling, but I delight in your law. It was good for me to be afflicted, so that I might learn your decrees. The law from your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. See hard times as God's training school. Suffering is never good in itself, but God is able to use it for good. Sometimes God uses our suffering to train us, just as a gardener prunes the vine, parents discipline their children, and a metal worker refines silver and gold in the fire. The psalmist writes, Train me in good common sense. Before I learnt to answer you, I wandered all over the place, but now I am in step with your word. Train me in your goodness. The fact that he was going through hard times did not make him doubt God's goodness. Instead, he saw it as God's training school. Unfair criticism is hard to receive. The psalmist writes, The godless spread lies about me, but I focus my attention on what you're saying. Attack may come from those whose hearts are callous and unfeeling, yet in the midst of this you too can find delight in God's words. He's able to see that God has actually used his troubles, affliction and suffering. My troubles turned out all for the best. They forced me to learn from your textbook. Truth from your mouth means more to me than striking it rich in a gold mine. Lord, teach me good judgment. Thank you that as I look back on my life, I can often see the ways in which you've used the hard times. Thank you that the words of your mouth are more precious than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. New Testament, 1 Timothy 5 and 6 Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. 
but if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn first of all to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. The widow who is really in need and left all alone puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and to ask God for help. But the widow who lives for pleasure is dead even while she lives. Give the people these instructions so that no one may be open to blame. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. No widow may be put on the list of widows unless she is over sixty, has been faithful to her husband, and is well known for her good deeds, such as bringing up children, showing hospitality, washing the feet of the Lord's people, helping those in trouble, and devoting herself to all kinds of good deeds. As for younger widows, do not put them on such a list. For when their sensual desires overcome their dedication to Christ, they want to marry. Thus they bring judgment on themselves, because they have broken their first pledge. Besides, they get into the habit of being idle and going about from house to house. And not only do they become idlers, but also busybodies who talk nonsense, saying things they ought not to. So I counsel younger widows to marry, to have children, to manage their homes, and to give the enemy no opportunity for slander. Some have, in fact, already turned away to follow Satan. If any woman who is a believer has widows in her care, she should continue to help them and not let the church be burdened with them, so that the church can help those widows who are really in need. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For Scripture says, Do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. And the worker deserves his wages. Do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it is brought by two or three witnesses. But those elders who are sinning you are to reprove before everyone so that the others may take warning. I charge you in the sight of God and Christ Jesus and the elect angels to keep these instructions without partiality and to do nothing out of favoritism. Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands and do not share in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. Stop drinking only water and use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. The sins of some are obvious, reaching the place of judgment ahead of them. The sins of others trail behind them. In the same way, good deeds are obvious, and even those that are not obvious cannot remain hidden forever. 1 Timothy chapter 6 all who are under the yoke of slavery should consider their masters worthy of full respect, so that God's name and our teaching may not be slandered. Those who have believing masters should not show them disrespect just because they are fellow believers. Instead, they should serve them even better because their masters are dear to them as fellow believers and are devoted to the welfare of their slaves. Take care of those going through hard times. The Bible is a very practical book. Paul gives Timothy sensible and practical instructions on how to look after those in the congregation who are going through hard times. First, take care of the old 
and young. Paul says that we're to treat those who are older than us with the respect that we would show to our parents, and to treat those younger than us as our brothers and sisters. Someone once observed that many men should have this verse as a screensaver on their computers. Treat younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Second, take care of the needy. For example, the church is to provide for widows who don't have any family to support them. Give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. Those who do have a family should be supported by them, if at all possible. Third, take care of your extended family. Paul makes a point that still has great relevance today. Not only do we have a duty to provide for our own spouse and children, but we must also provide for our extended family, our parents and grandparents. Fourth, take care of leaders. Church is also to provide for the leaders who direct the affairs of the church. Those who work deserve their pay. Their position of responsibility means that we should not easily entertain a complaint against them. Don't listen to a complaint against a leader that isn't backed up by two or three responsible witnesses. But at the same time, the consequences of sin are greater for those in a position of leadership. Paul warns, keep a close check on yourself. Fifth, take care of yourself. Timothy himself clearly had stomach problems and frequent illnesses. Paul does not reproach him for his sickness. Rather, he gives him some practical advice, which may sound strange to our modern ears. Stop drinking only water, but use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. Sixth, take care in the workplace. This letter was written at a time when Christians were in no position to lead the fight against slavery. They were a tiny minority in an empire where a high proportion of the population were slaves. Paul's not endorsing slavery. Rather, he's giving practical advice on how to live when we find ourselves in circumstances that are far from ideal. Whatever circumstances you find yourself in, however hard life is, your concern should be for God's name. Lord, help us as a church to look after those who are going through hard times. May we be a community that looks after the needy, the sick, and the oppressed, following in the footsteps of Jesus. Old Testament, Jeremiah 43-45 When Jeremiah had finished telling the people all the words of the Lord their God, everything the Lord had sent him to tell them, Azariah, son of Hoshiah, and Johanan, son of Korea, and all the arrogant men said to Jeremiah, You are lying! The Lord our God has not sent you to say, You must not go to Egypt to settle there. But Baruch, son of Neriah, is inciting you against us to hand us over to the Babylonians so that they may kill us or carry us into exile to Babylon. So Jehanan, son of Korea, and all the army officers and all the people disobeyed the Lord's command to stay in the land of Judah. Instead, Jehanan, son of Korea, And all the army officers led away all the remnant of Judah who had come back to live in the land of Judah from all the nations where they had been scattered. They also led away all those whom Nebuzaradan, commander of the imperial guard, had left with Gadaliah, son of Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, the men, the women, the children, and the king's daughters. And they took Jeremiah the prophet and Baruch, son of Neriah, along with them. So they entered Egypt in disobedience to the Lord and went as far as Tapanes. In Tapanes, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. While the Jews are watching, 
Take some large stones with you and bury them in clay in the brick pavement at the entrance to Pharaoh's palace in Tapanese. Then say to them, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. I will send for my servant Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and I will set his throne over these stones I have buried here. He will spread his royal canopy above them. He will come and attack Egypt, bringing death to those destined for death, captivity to those destined for captivity, and the sword to those destined for the sword. He will set fire to the temples of the gods of Egypt. He will burn their temples and take their gods captive. As a shepherd picks his garment clean of lice, so he will pick Egypt clean and depart. There in the temple of the sun in Egypt, he will demolish the sacred pillars and will burn down the temples of the gods of Egypt. Jeremiah chapter 44 This word came to Jeremiah concerning all the Jews living in Lower Egypt, in Migdol, Tarpanes, and Memphis, and in Upper Egypt. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. You saw the great disaster I brought on Jerusalem and on all the towns of Judah. Today they lie deserted and in ruins because of the evil they have done. They aroused my anger by burning incense to and worshipping other gods that neither they nor you nor your ancestors ever knew. Again and again I sent my servants the prophets, who said, Do not do this detestable thing that I hate. But they did not listen or pay attention. They did not turn from their wickedness or stop burning incense to other gods. Therefore my fierce anger was poured out, it raged against the towns of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem and made them the desolate ruins they are today. Now this is what the Lord God Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Why bring such great disaster on yourselves by cutting off from Judah the men and women, the children and infants, and so leave yourselves without a remnant? Why arouse my anger with what your hands have made, burning incense to other gods in Egypt, where you have come to live. You will destroy yourselves and make yourselves a curse and an object of reproach among all the nations on earth. Have you forgotten the wickedness committed by your ancestors and by the kings and queens of Judah and the wickedness committed by you and your wives in the land of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem? To this day they have not humbled themselves or shown reverence, nor have they followed my law and the decrees I set before you and your ancestors. Therefore this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. I am determined to bring disaster on you and to destroy all Judah. I will take away the remnant of Judah who are determined to go to Egypt to settle there. They will all perish in Egypt. They will fall by the sword or die from famine. From the least to the greatest, they will die by sword or famine. They will become a curse and an object of horror, a curse and an object of reproach. I will punish those who live in Egypt with the sword, famine, and plague as I punish Jerusalem. None of the remnant of Judah who have gone to live in Egypt will escape or survive to return to the land of Judah, to which they long to return and live. 
none will return except a few fugitives. Then all the men who knew that their wives were burning incense to other gods, along with all the women who were present, a large assembly, and all the people living in Lower and Upper Egypt, said to Jeremiah, We will not listen to the message you have spoken to us in the name of the Lord. We will certainly do everything we said we would. We will burn incense to the Queen of Heaven, and will pour out drink offerings to her just as we and our ancestors, our kings and our officials did in the towns of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. At that time we had plenty of food, and were well off and suffered no harm. But ever since we stopped burning incense to the Queen of Heaven and pouring out drink offerings to her, we have had nothing and have been perishing by sword and famine. The women added, When we burned incense to the Queen of Heaven and poured out drink offerings to her, did not our husbands know that we were making cakes impressed with her image and pouring out drink offerings to her? Then Jeremiah said to all the people, both men and women, who were answering him, Did not the Lord remember and call to mind the incense burned in the towns of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem, by you and your ancestors, your kings and your officials, and the people of the land? When the Lord could no longer endure your wicked actions and the detestable things you did, your land became a curse and a desolate waste without inhabitants, as it is today. Because you have burned incense and have sinned against the Lord and have not obeyed Him or followed His law or His decrees or His stipulations, this disaster has come upon you as you now see. Then Jeremiah said to all the people, including the women, Hear the word of the Lord, all you people of Judah in Egypt. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. You and your wives have done what you said you would do when you promised we will certainly carry out the vows we made to burn incense and pour out drink offerings to the Queen of Heaven. Go ahead, then. Do what you promised. Keep your vows. But hear the word of the Lord, all you Jews living in Egypt. I swear by my great name, says the Lord, that no one from Judah living anywhere in Egypt shall ever again invoke my name or swear as surely as the Sovereign Lord lives. For I am watching over them for harm, not for good. The Jews in Egypt will perish by sword and famine until they are all destroyed. Those who escape the sword and return to the land of Judah from Egypt will be very few. Then the whole remnant of Judah who came to live in Egypt will know whose word will stand, mine or theirs. This will be a sign to you that I will punish you in this place, declares the Lord, so that you will know that my threats of harm against you will surely stand. This is what the Lord says. I am going to deliver Pharaoh Hophra, king of Egypt, into the hands of his enemies who want to kill him, just as I gave Zedekiah, king of Judah, into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, the enemy who wanted to kill him. Jeremiah chapter 45 When Baruch, son of Neriah, wrote on a scroll the words Jeremiah the prophet dictated in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, Jeremiah said this to Baruch, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to you, Baruch. You said, Woe to me! The Lord has added sorrow to my pain. I am worn out with groaning and find no rest. 
But the Lord has told me to say to you, This is what the Lord says. I will overthrow what I have built and uproot what I have planted throughout the earth. Should you then seek great things for yourself? Do not seek them, for I will bring disaster on all people, declares the Lord. But wherever you go, I will let you escape with your life. Stay faithful to God in hard times. Mother Teresa said, I do not pray for success, I ask for faithfulness. At this point in his ministry, Jeremiah was probably in his mid-sixties. He'd been a prophet for 47 years. During this time, he'd seen Jerusalem reduced to ruins. He had faithfully spoken the word of God, but his message had been consistently ignored and rejected by those to whom he was sent. He had also suffered a great deal due to their opposition and disobedience. All this must have been very disappointing and discouraging for Jeremiah. Even after all that happened, and though his earlier prophecies had been fulfilled, the people still refused to listen to him. Jeremiah was telling them everything the Lord had sent him to tell them. He was telling the truth. But he had to put up with what must have been the very hurtful slander of arrogant people saying to him, You're lying. In spite of Jeremiah's warning, they disobeyed the Lord's command. They entered Egypt in disobedience to the Lord. Although the Lord had warned them again and again, they did not listen or pay attention. They said to Jeremiah, We will not listen to the message you have spoken to us in the name of the Lord. Jeremiah's message was flatly contradicted by those who heard it. Jeremiah's ministry must have appeared to be a failure, once again full of discouragement and disappointment. Even so, he remained true to the task that God had given him and faithfully delivered God's word to the people. In chapter 45, we encounter another person's discouragement and disappointment, Jeremiah's associate, Barak. Barak, despite being of high birth, had to play second fiddle to Jeremiah. His role was to record Jeremiah's prophecies. He despaired of the fruitlessness of his efforts. He said, Woe to me! The Lord has added sorrow to my pain. I'm worn out with groaning and find no rest. But the Lord says, Should you then seek great things for yourself? Seek them not. It's always a temptation to be self-centered and to seek great things for ourselves, whether through money, success, position, fame, reputation, or respectability. But we must never seek any of these things for ourselves. At the end of the day, it does not matter if our life appears to have been a failure and ends in disappointment. What matters is faithfulness to the Lord. God will reward each person according to their faithfulness, not according to their apparent success. When you're faithful to God, you allow Him to work and to achieve His plans through your life. Jeremiah and Barak must have felt like failures, yet few people in history have had a greater impact than they. The prophecies they recorded are a key part of God's revelation to the world and contain some of the most important prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament. And how many authors can claim a readership of billions over 2,500 years after their death? Lord, help me to be faithful in following you regardless of hard times, afflictions, smears, and difficulties. May I never seek great things for myself, but rather seek to see your name glorified. Pippa adds, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 1, Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he was your father. 
treat older women as mothers. I do wish there was more respect and appreciation for the elderly in our society, for the wisdom they bring and the lives they've led. Life must seem perplexing, with technology changing all the time, and when movement becomes slow and painful, and even doing the simple things in life are a struggle. Is there anyone elderly in your community that you could help or exalt today?